So Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, verse 9, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. Everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Mark chapter 9, verse 21. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It, the demon, has often thrown him into the fire, the water to kill him. But if you could do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he commanded. I tell you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked and convulsed him violently, and it came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many thought he was dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. Y'all remember that story? That's a good story, isn't it? You know, family, we uh, talked a lot about prayer in this church over the years. We've even decided that we are a house of prayer. We're not a house of preaching. I love to preach, but I can't do much except preach. We're not a house of singing. They all love to sing, but we can't transform your life with song. We've become a house of prayer. That's why at the end we come up here and pray and let the Holy Spirit, the only one in the building, can do anything about it. So we talk a lot about prayer here. Here's my question. I want you to be honest to yourself as you answer this question. Do you think God's really listening? I mean, really. Do you, do you think we're just doing this on Sunday because that's what churches do? Because you hear stories from people all the time. You hear them say, you know, they prayed for something, and the next day it showed up. You know, wow. they ask God for a sign, and, they, and there's the sign, you know what I mean? Or they ask God for healing, and sometimes He heals them. And, or sometimes they ask for a word, and they open up the Bible, and it's like He's speaking to them. And you hear stories like that, and you've got to be asking, does He really do that? Would he really do that for me? And if he does, how much faith does it take to get that? I, I don't know, about 10 years ago, I, I didn't look up specifically, but I, I brought an old, old saying in here that goes something like this. If you bring a thimble to God, he'll fill it up. But if you bring a bucket to God, he'll probably fill that too. And this is back when I had the pulpit. Some of you probably remember I, I had a thimble up on the pulpit and I had a bucket down there. Remember that? And I asked a question that day, same question I'm going to ask you this morning. What did you come in here to ask God to fill today? Seriously, did you bring a thimble in? Did you ask God, for example, for a little bit of peace because of the stuff going on in your life? By the way, if you did not hear Eric Gilpin's sermon last week, that's the best sermon he's ever preached, one of the best sermons I've ever heard preached. So if you weren't here last week, you talk about peace and that kind of thing, you go to the back and you get a copy of that. Aaron will fix you up. I think the big copier's broken, but we'll get you set up. You need that. But did you come in and ask for a little peace today? Are you asking for a little bit of comfort and a little bit of protection? Touch me a little bit this morning. Fill me up a little bit this morning. Maybe like we do with Santa Claus and some surprises or something. You know, you, is that what you came in here? Do you come in here today with a thimble? Because I, I guarantee you if that's what you came, then that's what God's going to fill. But what if, family? What if you and I brought our buckets in here instead today? What if we asked God to fill our lives up with a bold adventure of faith, to do something for Him that's beyond our wildest imaginings? What if we ask God to use our talents for Him and this church for Him? What if we ask God, this week, Lord, instead of my plans and my agenda, let's do your plans and your agenda? What if we ask God to fill us up with so much of the Holy Spirit in here this morning that when we walked out of here, we had so much of His compassion and so much of His love and so much of His mercy, it just 
spilled out in everybody we came in contact this week. What if, family, we wiped the sweet sleep out of our eyes this morning and, and tuned out the world for an hour or so and tuned in the Holy Spirit and asked the Lord God Almighty to fill up our buckets? What if? I'll tell you what if. He'd fill them up all the way to the top. Now, I just used one verse here in the Luke passage this morning. And the reason I did that, uh, well, the whole passage is about prayer. In fact, most of the commentaries want you to talk about persistent prayer. But the reason I'm not going to do that is because I just talked about persistent prayer six or seven months ago, and you all never forget one of my sermons, right? Ever. And so I want to look at this from the Mark passage this morning, and I, I want to ask this question instead. How much faith does it take for us to have Luke chapter 11, verse 9 in our lives? Ask and it be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be. How much faith do I have to have to get that done? Because that's a powerful passage of Scripture. John Ortberg asked that same question in a sermon titled, uh, How Much? Probably 15 years ago. Powerful sermon. I, I've remembered most of it. Stole a lot of it over the years. But one of the things I remember he said, uh, he answered the question, how much faith does it take? And the answer he gave was, not much. Not much. Now, of course, the Bible's full of people who came to God and asked Him to fill up their buckets. And some of those people came with huge amounts of faith, too, which is good. Jesus said in Matthew twenty-two twenty-one, 21, you can have anything you ask for if you believe. For example, James chapter 1 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, if you're trying to figure something out, if you lack wisdom, by the way, are there any ding-dong heads in here? Raise your hand if you're a ding-dong head. Get it up. <laughs> okay, now raise your hand if you're not a ding-dong head, but you're pretty sure you're sitting next to one. Now the hands are coming up. You know what I'm talking about? James 1.5 says, if any of you ding-dong heads lack wisdom, you're trying to get some help with some of the stuff Eric was talking about last week, you know what you do? You ask God who gives generously without finding fault, and you'll get it, he says. But he goes on to say, you better believe when you ask. Don't doubt, because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea tossed here and forth. That man shouldn't expect to receive anything from God. Don't even bother asking if you're going to ask like that, he says. Shouldn't even bother asking. So I want to talk about how much faith does it take to get this stuff going. Number one, I want to talk about what it looks like when you have lots of faith. Because again, the Bible's full of story after story about people who came with lots of faith to get their buckets full. In, in uh, Matthew chapter 8, the story of the centurion. Remember he brought, he, he had a sick servant. And he said, Jesus, I just want to know, would you heal him? I love him so much, would you heal him? And Jesus said, yeah, well, in fact, I'll come over and do that right now. And the guy said, oh, you don't even have to do that. Here's the thing, Jesus. I know a little about authority, and I know a lot about your authority. You just say the word, and it'll be done. Now, that's some faith right there. That's bucket faith. And Jesus said in verse 13, he loved it. He said, I've not seen such faith like that in all of Israel. And by the way, healing with the word, miles away, he healed that guy. It's amazing. And then one day, this blind guy my, named Bartimaeus, and Jesus is walking through, big crowd around him, and this blind guy's yelling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd's saying, shut up, shut up, he's busy, he's got a lot to do. But this guy had his bucket, he wanted it full, and he had a lot of faith too, and he wouldn't give up, he kept yelling. And Jesus said, what do you want? And the guy says, Lord, I want to see. And Jesus said, well then, see. And wham, this guy's eyes go back online. And Jesus says, your faith has healed you. Your bucket faith, it might say in the Greek, although probably not. And in Mark chapter 5, you got this gal, and she's been bleeding for 12 years. And she's tried everything, been every doctor, spent all her money. 
And she didn't bring a thimble that day either. She brought her bucket, and she brought a lot of faith. She said to herself, if I could just get through the crowd and touch, listen to this, just touch him, I'll be healed. And she did, and she was. Have we forgotten the power? She touched the edge of his garment and was healed. Have mercy, what a Savior. And then Jesus said to her the same thing. Go, your faith has healed you. Story after story. I mean, I could go on and on. You know I could. People who came to Jesus with lots of faith, and he said, sure, you're healed. Your faith has healed you. I mean, why not? With all this kind of faith, sure you can get that. Now, here's the deal. We hear stories like this, and at first we want to run to a corner someplace. Get him shut up. Get out of here. i got to go over in the prayer corner. i got some things to pray about because we get all excited about it. But let's also be honest that if we don't get what we want immediately, sometimes we take a turn the other direction with our prayer, don't we? I have a friend, he's building a house about five miles south of here, and they were moving some dirt back behind his house, and somebody, the people before him had left a junk pile there. That happened at our house, by the way, a big junk pile down over there. It's been there for years. Anyway, there was one of those old Westinghouse refrigerators. You remember Westinghouse? used to be out by RCA. And he said it was back there and all this junk. And he went back to move that refrigerator, heard something in it, opened up, had a rabbit in it. You know what it was doing? It was Westing. <laughs> you know what you call a happy rabbit, don't you, Carl? A, a optimist. You know what you call a cold dog sitting on a rabbit? Chili dog on a bun. Now listen to me. If you don't laugh, I'm going to keep telling them. You know, no, I won't do that. But the Westinghouse, I love that. But let's be honest. Don't we get that way with our prayers sometimes? If we don't get what we want and we don't get it up front or we keep praying about it and we don't think it's ever going to happen, we just turn prayer time into nap time. We just start Westing. We just give up. Anybody go, ever do that? Anybody, anybody in here get sometimes so full of doubt about something? or so full of worry about something, or anger about something, and you prayed about it and prayed about it, you finally just want to give up over it? Man, me too. That's why I asked a while ago, how much faith does it take? What's the minimum requirement from God in the faith department for you and I to get some of the things we're praying about done? Let's look at the second one. That's why I want to talk about this dad in Mark chapter 9. Did I say Mark because I think it's Mark 9. Because Andy Griffith would say, this guy didn't have much faith at all. I mean, he didn't have lots of faith. You know, I mean, now, we all, you knew this story as soon as I started reading it because it's a very popular story. It's a very great story. But here's a guy that had a son. He loved him. He had great dreams for his son, same as we have great dreams for our kids. But these dreams were not coming true because for some reason, uh, and we don't know why, the Bible doesn't tell us why, but he's being stalked by a demon. And what this demon's doing to him make you sick to your stomach. I mean, I'm talking about convulsions and foaming at the mouth and jumping into the fire and the water. Literally, this boy's life is in danger. And this is not the way I'm going in the sermon, but I've got to stop here and ask the question, what, what demons are stalking your kids right now? What destructive forces from the pit of hell are coming after your kids and grandkids? And the question is, what are you doing about it? Because Eric told us last week, prayer's not enough. I mean, there's some things we need to do. We need to seek some counseling. We need to seek some doctors. We need to maybe get some prescriptions. But he also made it clear last week that prayer's where you start. I mean, you start with prayer. That's where it starts. The implication is this guy sure prayed a lot. Night after night, day after day, month after month, year after year. This guy went to bed at night crying out to God, saying, don't you even care? This is my boy. What's the matter? Are you going to help him? He'd get up in the morning, nothing happened. 
He's wearing out. You know, you've been there. Every time a new rabbi, a new prophet come to town, he'd take his boy to see him. He'd pray about it. He'd hope him nothing happened. And then one day Jesus shows up, and he tries again. Verse 20. When the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw this boy into convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? It's often thrown him into fire or water to kill him, the father said. But if you can do anything, would you take pity on us and help us? I mean, are you kidding me? He says to Jesus, if you can do anything, let there be light and there's light and you ask him if you can do anything. I mean, it doesn't sound like much faith to me. You? In fact, it's not very complimentary to Jesus either. I doubt if we'd ever make a song out of a prayer like that. Lord, please save all of us if you can. You know what I mean? And this crowd's watching and they're wanting to see what Jesus is going to do with this guy. And what he did was right off the bat, he keyed in on that phrase, if you can do anything. And what he said to this father in return blew him out of the water. And if you think about it a little bit, it should blow you out of the water too. He says to him, everything's possible. All things are possible. We're talking about God here, pal. All things are possible. And I'm telling you, that's what I love about the God we serve. Listen to me. I'm not a Christian because God's God and there's nothing I can do about it. I'm having a blast being a Christian. I'm having a blast having God love me and me love him back. I'm having a blast watching God change lives, some of your lives and your families and your marriages. Our God can do anything. All things are possible with him. This is good stuff. But what he says next breaks this guy's heart again. What he says next is tough. What he says next is hard for us to digest because Jesus says all things are possible to him who believes. There you go again. How much do we have to believe? I'm sure by now you could hear a pin drop. Everybody in this place is wondering what Jesus is going to do next with this little man with no faith and his mute and deaf son. What did Jesus do? What he always does. Fixed him, healed him, restored him, gave him back to his father. And so for the first time in this kid's life, he's actually able to speak these words. I love you, Daddy. Thank you for not giving up on me. Anybody in your life close to saying those words to you? Thank you, Mom, Dad, for not giving up on me. Thanks for praying for me. Thanks, brother or sister, for not giving up on me. Thanks, friend for never quitting, for praying for me constantly. Is there anybody in your life saying those words? I hope so, because the, the, the answer to the question, how much faith, John Ortberg is right. Not much. Not much at all. In fact, Jesus says, if you've got faith the size of a mustard seed, that's about like that. You can move a mountain. As it turns out, the only faith you and I have to have is enough faith to come and ask him in the first place. Praise God, we don't have to conjure up feelings of certainty when we pray. Praise God, we don't have to conjure up feelings of faith when we pray. You say, what's our job in prayer, Cain? Our job in prayer is just to ask. And you think that sounds simple, but you know what James chapter 4, verse 2 says? Some of you don't have because you don't ask. Are you kidding me? What did you come in here to ask God to do today? What's on your mind and heart spiritually for your family, for your job, for your marriage, for the country? What did you come to ask him today? Most of us know by now this church is all about prayer. Our, when somebody's sick, the whole staff comes. We pray over them. We pray together at the end of the service. Our elders pray. Our small groups pray. We're all about prayer. We would like to get to a place where 24 hours a day, 
We are practicing the presence of God, just like Eric talked about last week. You want peace, you do that. Ann uh, Lot says uh, that she prays all day. And she says she only prays two prayers all day. Help me, help me, help me, help me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Isn't that cool? Help me, help me, help me, help me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Several years ago, Scotty and I uh, took Kyle, one of his friends from work, to Salt uh, Creek Golf Course to play golf. Now, Kyle is good, and he always beats us bad. And we were going. We kind of expected that. Uh, Scott and I love each other dearly. He's, I love my sons-in-laws. Uh, you know, we don't even call them the in-laws. They're just good boys. I love them. But we also have this quiet but intense competition thing when we play golf. Scott, Eric Gilpin and I, we don't talk about it. We trash talk every now and then, but you, we don't talk too much about it. But if you play golf with us, you can tell immediately, these guys want to beat each other. And so we're out, and we're taking Kyle, and I'm asking God, help me, help me, help me, help me. Not to win. I'm not asking to help to win. I'm asking him to help me keep my attitude good and my action good and my words good. And since we're playing golf and it's me, please help me not to cheat, you know, kick wedge and rolling the ball and all that kind of stuff. And uh, early on around, they're killing me. I can't even hit the ball. It's like I've never played before. And I'd hit a bad shot, and I'd pray, help me, help me, Lord. Please, all things work together for good to those who Lord. And then Scott would hit this amazing shot. And I'd pray, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then Kyle would hit an amazing shot in trash talk. He's a terrible trash talk. And I'd pray, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I'm praying, and I'm saying, Lord, please, I want to, he's not a Christian. I want my attitude to be good. I'm a, I want to witness to him. And I'm saying, Lord, Probably the best way I could honor you is if I won. <laughs> and coincidentally, it's the only time I ever beat Kyle. And I came six strokes from behind to beat Scott. It was sweet. And then I prayed the other half. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> but I did not pray to win. I did not. But I did ask, uh, God, please help me keep my attitude, my action, my words good. And, and I don't always, but I did that day. You know why? Because I ask. Are you asking? Remember that list he went through last week? Anger and depression and anxiety and worry and all the garbage that we fight every day. Are you even asking him to help? And did you bring a thimble in here today to ask? I'm t- throw it over in the corner and get your bucket out and ask him to fill it up. Because that's what he's here for. But we've got to be honest about it. Sometimes we don't ask because we don't think we have enough faith and you know, he's probably not going to do it anyway. Can I remind you, that all you've got to have is enough faith to come and ask him in the first place. And he'll send you the counselor. He'll send you some prescriptions. He'll send you whatever you need, a mentor. All you've got to do is ask him. But again, we've got to be real about this. Sometimes we're not. We talk about this all the time as a church body here too. Some of these songs we sing, I love those two new songs this morning, by the way. But some of these songs we sing, powerful songs. Most of them are powerful songs. You don't want to just sing them if you don't mean them. That's heart-damaging stuff. Same thing with this prayer. Don't just pray it. You know how we do that sometimes? Mike Wilson and I have breakfast every Tuesday morning for years at the Cloverleaf, and we always say the same prayer over breakfast in honor of Ashley, because when she was a kid, she always prayed the same prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for this day, and thank you for our food. Amen. So Mike and I pray that every, every Tuesday. Do you think we mean it every Tuesday? Seriously, probably not. You know how we do that? We sit down at this nutritional disaster. You know, it's salt and sugar and it's fried in grease and covered with butter and oil. And, and we pray, Lord, bless this food and the nourishing of my body so I can serve you. He's got to be thinking, are you kidding me? 
Give that to the dog. Not the dog. He loves dogs. Give that to the cat. You know what I mean? <laughs> See, what I'm talking about is we've got to be honest with him this morning. We've got to be real. And that's why we reserve this time every week to come around the table, the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus, and we give each other 15, 20 minutes. So the Holy Spirit, the only one that Billy can do anything with your heart, can come up here and fix things. But you've got to be honest. It all starts with being humble enough. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. He may exalt you in due time. You know what is funny to me? Not funny, ha-ha. Funny, odd to me. And I've thought about this a lot. It's, it's funny to me that we cannot get Christians to physically get on their knees before God. I, I don't get it. I mean, we get anybody to stand up to sing, all they got to do is this, and everybody stands up. And and sometimes if uh, Brad Stevens is really hitting it, which he is, with the drums, you can get people to clap. Not everybody, trust me, but you get some to clap. And, And even every now and then, if we got one of those real moving songs, a few people will raise their hands. But you cannot get people to get on their knees before God. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We sing powerful songs up here about bowing before him and falling on our knees. And there's plenty of room between you and the seat. And I just, I don't know. There's another story in Mark chapter 5 of another demon. Uh, same kind of scenario. This demon comes running out of the tomb, screaming and hollering to Jesus. Do you remember what the first thing the demon did when he saw Jesus? He fell on his knees. And he said, Jesus, son of the most high God, what do you want of me? Does it embarrass you a little bit like it does me that every story we see of a demon before Jesus, they immediately bow before him, and sometimes we can't get Christians to do that? What if? What if you and I humbled ourselves before him, got on our knees and said, Jesus, Son of the Most High God, what do you want from me? Eric gave us a challenge last week. I loved it. He gave us 30 names of God. He said, get up every day and think about that name and pray about it all day. I've had a blast with that. I'm going to add to his challenge. For the next 30 days, after you've looked at that powerful name of God, go straight to your knees or your face and say, Jesus, Son of the Most High God, what do you want from me? I guarantee it to change your life. I guarantee it to change the lives of the people around you. I guarantee you it will fill up your buckets because he works through people who humbly come before him and honor him. We can start right here at the table.